0: So the last couple of weeks we've been in the book of uh, First Timothy, uh, First and Second Timothy and Titus are called the pastoral letters, and Paul is is writing to to these two young pastors, Timothy's in Ephesus with that church, and um, instead of instead of writing to the whole church, he's writing specifically to this this leader of this church. Uh, and, um, in chapter one, we he's warning against false teachers and these these uh, these things that are being taught that just are not not congruent with the gospel. Um, And then today, we we start in chapter 2. We're going to go verses uh, 1 through 7. So I want to start by reading those. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful life and a quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of Of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth for there's one God there's one mediator between God and men the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all which is the testimony given at the proper time for this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle I'm telling the truth I am NOT lying a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth I'm going to start my timer here so I don't go too long. So he, he talks about these false teachers, these, these problems that have arisen because there are things that are being taught that are just not in line with the gospel, that, that are not biblical. And then he jumps um, in, in chapters 2 and 3. He, he's going to give instructions to Timothy about this church, about how church life should go, about how the church should function together. Um, and, and he decides to start with prayer. Um, I want to pull up uh, in, in chapter three, I think we have verses fourteen and fifteen, and, and these these are probably the, the key, the 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 reason the whole letter was written. It says, I hope to you, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, I hope I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of truth. So he starts off first of all then. I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. So of all the instructions that, that Timothy could could get from Paul, he starts with prayer. And specifically, it's, it's prayer for salvation of, of all people. Um, it, it, at the beginning of chapter 3, he's going to start talking about uh, overseers um, and, and the, the elders of the church. He'll talk about deacons, right? These raising up these leaders of the church, which seems... Like, if I was writing it, I'd probably start with that. Like, that seems really, really important to me. But he decides to start with prayer. And, and I think so often, it's easy for us to push prayer onto the back burner. But Paul says, no, like, this is what, this is the first thing I'm going to urge you to do is is, is to pray. So I'm going to pray right now for us as we begin. Holy Spirit, I, man, I thank you that Lexi selected that song. Yeah, because we, we don't just want to come here and, and play church lord i I don't just want to speak spirit we want you we want you to be the one that, that I mean you're already in charge but lord would you would you have your way with our hearts Lord would you would you use your word would you use the the, the thoughts and, and the study that that, uh, that I've gone through this week Lord to to bring glory to yourself Jesus would you make us a people that are longing for this world to know you or longing for for many 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 people to be saved so God we just give this time to you it it, it is it's it's our offering to you Lord you have have heavy way with us God in your name amen so when I talk with people about prayer Feel like most of the, And I mean Christians, actually, not just people in general. When I talk to most Christians about prayer, it seems like most of the time there's a sigh followed by something like, I don't pray enough. I know I should pray more, but I just, I'm not that good at it or fill in the blanks. And we talk about it kind of like we talk about working out, right? Like, oh, except for Joel. Joel, like, I think he's always working out. <laughs> Sorry, he sat in the front row. Um, well, it's true, though. Uh, everyone else I talk to about working out, like, oh, I used to jog. I have, a, I have a membership to the club, and I went there to pay my dues. But I don't really go. And it, it, we talk about prayer like that. We know it's good, but we can't find the time for it. We don't make the space for it. We, we, haven't, we, we don't put the effort in, in growing in that discipline. And I wonder if, if that's because we don't understand but we don't believe that that our prayers are actually effective; that they that they matter. Um, James five sixteen uh, says the prayer of a righteous man is is powerful and effective. And yet I think in practice many of us doubt that. Maybe we would we'd probably never say that, especially at church to another Christian. Maybe we wouldn't even think that. But the way we live our lives, I think so often the, the lack of prayer I think demonstrates that, that we don't really believe that that our prayers matter. And it's a it's a crazy thing. At least to me, I think it's I think it's so wild that God designed it, that his people, um, his people pray to him and that he's going to respond to that, right? That he's going to respond to to the requests of his people. The scripture teaches us to pray in his will, um, right to, to pray that the, the things that um that are on God's heart, right? Um Exodus 32 is a, is a story um where um God is just livid with Israel, right? Just rebellion after rebellion after rebellion and he's ready to wipe them out. And Moses pleads. He pleads with God not to do this. And 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 God responds. He turns from his anger, and it's it's because of Moses' prayer that, that he does this. God uses uses that prayer. Um, so so our prayers, they matter. They, they actually do. God designed it this way for them to matter, and, and there's way more to talk about that, but um, we just don't have time. Um, so Paul wants us to pray, and, and it's so important that he uses four different words about prayer. Um Supplications uh, it says uh, or supplications implies that there's a need uh, or that, that, that there's something that's lacking so this prayer arises from a sense of need when we know um, what is lacking when we can see what is lacking we come to God and, and we ask Him to to meet that need to supply those needs um, the next word he uses is prayers and obviously this is directed towards God it carries an element of of, of worship. Alright, of, of reverence for God. And certainly, uh, these, the prayers that he's talking about are, are salvation. Like he's talking about salvation prayers. There's all kinds of prayers that, that we should make, but this passage focuses on that. Certainly, when someone responds to Jesus in faith and is saved, there's, there's worship given to God. There's a new worshiper of God that, that's, that's, that's been given life. Um, intercessions, or, uh, your, your Bibles might say petitions. Um, this word for intercession is, is used only twice in the New Testament. Both times are in this letter. There, there's other words for intercession. I'm not saying that that this is the only time intercession is used. But the root word, I love this. It's it's to fall. It, it means to fall in with someone, or or to um or to get involved with them. So it, it involves uh it involves empathy and and sympathy and advocacy, um, compassion, uh, personal involvement. It's, it's it's, um, I mean, you know what it's like. You, 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 see, you see someone in life, whether you know them well or not, you find out what's going on, and you're linked now. You, you know what I mean? Like you, you just have to go through this with them for however long. And so, so these intercessions, and, and God does this for us. It's awesome where uh, Scripture talks about this. Um, Jesus intercedes for us. We, we get to intercede. We get to come alongside um, someone. And, and pray for them in that way. And the last one he talks about is Thanksgiving. And, um, Thanksgiving is, is the, the uh, these four, the type of prayer that this will, this will continue on forever, right? Like at some point we won't be interceding for others, right? But we will always be giving thanks. We'll always be doing that. Um, so Paul's stressing through these four different words, we need to pray. We, we need to pray. We need to pray for the salvation of, of everyone. And that makes, um, that makes our prayer list a whole lot bigger, right? Um, so maybe my number one irritation as a parent, and I'll be interested to see how many agree with this, is when my kids say they're bored. All right? Does that bug anyone, please? Yeah. Oh, no? Yeah. Peter, you look mad already. Like, oh, bored kids. Just kidding. Um, it, it really bugs my wife, which is a little bit funny for me to watch that. But, um, it, it bugs me too. It just drives her crazy when, when our kids are like we're ah, I'm bored, and uh, well I won't say who does it, but one of my kids does it a lot. They said it in the car last night, and I think it's actually pretty similar to when we say, oh, i don't have anything to pray for like i'm all prayed out. No, you are not. There is so much to pray for. Um, if we are if we're praying god 's agenda, there's always a ton to pray for. Gary said that to me this week, so I'm thinking about this passage, I'm driving around town, I'm driving down the street, you know, thinking about how I need to pray for for all kinds of people, for salvation, And, and I see this group, probably like a pack of like 10 or 12 teenagers walking by, I don't think I knew any of them. And I'm, again, I'm meditating on this passage. And then it hits me like, you should pray for those people. So I start praying for those people, right? I'm like, Lord, I don't know if any of them know you, Jesus. If there's one in that group that knows you, would you even give them an opportunity tonight? And I'm praying, praying. And then I see two more people. I'm like, oh, crud, I got to pray for these people now, right? And And, and then I'm like driving slower because there's more people coming. Like there's more to pray for. There's always, there's always people to pray for. And I wonder... Like do we do we even make the space to do that, right? Like if you're alone in your car, do you ever just turn off the radio so that you can just pray? Or, or me in the mornings, like I'm making um I'm often making lunches for our kids for school, which I'm so excited the school's about done for that reason. Um and and I'll have the news on, right? In the background. And it's just noise. There's so rarely news, right? It's so rarely stuff that matters. It's about some cat stuck in a tree or just generally pretty dumb stuff. I don't like cats, um, but man, I sometimes I realize like, what am I doing? And, and I just need to pray. And I wonder, do we do we actually give God space for that? Um, have you ever wondered? Have you ever thought, man, I haven't been a part of someone coming to know Jesus in a way. Haven't been directly related to, to a person giving their life to Christ. I hope that we think about that. Um, if you ask yourself that question, I would ask, are you praying about it? Like, are you actually, are you actually asking the Lord for, for specific people that, that you know, and even people you don't know, whether it's whether it's unreached people groups, or maybe you're praying for Matt, Matt Danis, who's in Russia. and You don't know who he's going to talk to, but are, are we praying? Like, are we letting God shape our heart through our prayers um, for, for the salvation of others, for opportunities, for the right words, that, that we'd actually be paying attention to, to what God has before us? Because uh, I, I, think, I think our ability and our opportunities to share the gospel are directly connected to, to the amount of time to, to the content of our prayers for salvation. John MacArthur, uh, he, he asked, what Christian does not pray for the salvation of friends and loved ones who do not know the Lord? And If you, if you, if you don't pray for people to know Jesus, I, I think at least one of two things could be going on, and maybe there's others too. Um, but the first one, if you're not praying for people to know Jesus, I've got to ask, like, do you know the Lord? Right? Like, do you actually know Jesus? And uh, as a youth pastor, I am, I've been, um, and I think it's a healthy fear, but terrified that I will give some students the impression that they are saved. Um, by, by the way, I teach or conversations that I have that give this impression that they're good to go, and in all actuality, they don't know Jesus. Right, and and I know to some degree, like Jesus told us, you'll know a tree by its fruit. So to some degree, can we tell? Yes, ish, right? But but also we don't really know. So I've been nervous for years now that I'll give some, some poor student this impression. That, oh yeah, man, you come to church, like you know some stuff about the Bible, you believe Jesus is real, you're good to go. And man, if if you're not praying, right? If we don't have a heart for the lost. I think the first question you got to ask is, like, do you really know Jesus? Multiple times, Jesus warns, like, there are people that are going to come to me and say, Lord, Lord, like, thinking they're in, right? Thinking that they are saved. Jesus says, Matthew 7, he says, I never knew you. That'd be terrible. That'd be the worst news. And, And there are people that have been sitting in churches their whole lives. That, that is their reality. So, so do you actually know Jesus? If you do know Jesus, the second thing I wonder is, have you become complacent in following Jesus? And that's why I'm so thankful, Lexi, that God put that song on your heart, the, the spirit, I can't remember how it goes, but, but asking God, like, man, don't, don't let me just live this complacent Christian life. Like, let me live for you. Will you breathe life into me? When I first became a Christian, my guess is, Almost all of us maybe had the same experience. When I first became a Christian, I was going crazy telling people about Jesus. Like, I didn't care who knew. I I didn't care at all. And my prayers were about people coming to know Jesus. I just found my prayer journal from high school. That makes it sound like I do a prayer journal. I don't. I did it in high school. Um, But it was wild to look and see all the people at my school that I was praying for, like I just had a hunger and and at first, it just started with this one guy I knew and and as I kept reading my journal like as the days and months went on, it was more and more people, and I couldn't even like i just i just write down names and write salvation because it was getting too long but man i was i I wanted people to know Jesus so badly, and yet we grow older, and it seems like we become complacent and and we can see this. In our workplace, we see this. In marriage, like we see this in all areas of life, it's it's just human nature that uh, that complacency can so easily set in. Man, if if we know Jesus, we, we can't let that happen. We need to ask the Spirit, Will you come and give me life? Will you give me a heart for the lost, Lord, like you have? Um, so my, in my little brain, it's got to be one of those two things. Like you either you don't know Jesus, like you don't you not really. Become a follower of Christ, or you are, but you've you've just become complacent. And and it's because if you've been saved by grace through faith in Christ, one, you know what you've been saved from, right? You know, we know we've been saved from hell. We've been saved from eternal separation. Um, Ephesians describes like our state before before regeneration, right? Before, Before being born again, before the Spirit gives us life. We're called children. Of wrath right I don't know if yet I don't know if that phrase has ever just struck you in Ephesians but that one just nails me a lot that I used to be the label for me was a child of wrath and I'm not that anymore praise God so one thing is I, I know I know what I've been saved from but also I know what I've been saved into right and I'm not even actually just talking about heaven Yes, someday, man, we'll be in heaven with Jesus, and that is awesome and amazing, right? And I talked about how much it bugs me when when my kids say they're bored. If we're all honest, I bet every one of us has thought at least once, heaven might be a little boring for eternity, right? Have you ever thought that? You don't have to say yes, but I know it's true. Um, man. Heaven is not going to be boring. Like that. It's not true. I can't think of a good word (laughs) that's church appropriate. It's not true. Heaven will not be boring. Right? We all like we've seen glimpses of this. Like you've watched a movie and it's done and you just wish like oh, could there be a little bit more of that movie, right? Or, or the movie ends and you trick yourself into thinking, oh, they left it open, there's going to be a sequel, right? Or you finish a series of books and you're like, oh, please come out with Harry Potter 8 or whatever you're into, right? Like, heaven, if those little stupid things we want more of, we are not going to be bored of heaven. That was a total side note, Um so I'm not I'm not talking about heaven like we've been saved into not just our future but right now. Like if you know Jesus, if you've been saved, like if you've ever been captured by the thought of being in a, in a relationship with the uncreated Creator, right? Like you you're in communion with the one who right now sustains all things in the universe, as Colossians tells us. Like it is unbelievable that that we know christ that that we are in this relationship with the king of kings that, that you've been adopted into the family of the heavenly father right like you weren't just saved from your sins like you're actually brought into the family it says that we're an heir with christ now i, I wonder if, if that still captures you or if that was just exciting A long time ago, when you became a Christian, this example falls so short. I've used it so many times, but it's what I have. So you're going to have to bear with me. I've known Lindsay since fifth grade, right? Um, We obviously didn't date until way later than that, but known her forever. We we became super good friends. I I always, um, man, I always uh, just really admired her, admired our friendship. Um, And and at some point, when I was actually thinking marriage, I would would say, man, I want to marry someone just like Lindsay, right? Took me a lot of years to figure out, like, no, I want to marry Lindsay. Um, and whatever, maybe it's my insecurities, I don't know. But, so sometimes, like, pr- regularly, a couple times a year at least, I'll be sitting on the couch with her, uh, or, or, or we'll be laying in bed, and I'm just like, I can't believe it. I married Lindsay Langley. And, 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 and it, part of that is, is awe is not the right word, but something along those lines. But another piece of that is I don't ever want to lose that. Some pretty intentional. I'm not saying I do it all the time, but I try really hard to remember like what a gift my wife is, right? Like how how good she is, right? Like we spend plenty of time where we're like passing ships, you know, we got four kids now, it's crazy. But sometimes I just stop and, and and make that space to 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 remember how good my wife is. And I think that's what leads to those moments of like I can't believe this happened. I can't believe I tricked her. This is awesome. <laughs> so, so we do. Do we give God that space, or, or are, are we too rushed? Like our calendar's too full. Are we too busy staring at a screen, right? A, a screen that shows us the like really cool dessert that that person you knew in sixth grade had. Like we were so, we're so full of things that are not good, right? that, that, that really that keep us from marveling at how awesome God is. So we're talking a lot about prayer. Um, I'm going to invite Debbie up. She's going to play the piano. Um, because I, I want to give you just like maybe two minutes just to pray you, silently. Just talk to God. Uh, and maybe it's about something that, that I've mentioned. Maybe you realize like, I'm complacent. you know, or, or like, why don't I pray for uh, man, for people that don't know Jesus? Or wh- whatever it is that God's stirring on you. Or, or, you're, or maybe you're just going to talk about God like, I don't even like prayer. I don't. I don't know if you really do anything. Talk to him about that. But I'm just going to give you a little bit of time. Debbie's just going to play, so it's not as awkward for you. Okay. So let's let's pray. I'll close this, and then and then we'll we'll get going with the rest of this passage. Father, I thank you that that in your design you, you made it so that we can come and, and talk to you. And um, Jesus, would you help us to do that regularly? Would you help us to do that about all sorts of things, but but especially Lord the salvation of others. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so if you've been paying attention, we've made it through one verse. <laughs> Which when I realized that, like getting ready, I started laughing really hard because I'm like, someone's got to be freaking out. Um, yeah, listen faster, that's good. No, we're going to go faster. <laughs> um, uh, 1 Timothy two two. Uh, so it says... Uh, we're praying for all people, verse 2, for kings and all who are in high positions that we, we may lead a peaceful and quiet and godly and dignified life in every way. So we're, we're to pray for people, for all people. Um, and and, and he, he says to pray for, for kings, people in high positions. Um, there, there's a strategical reason for that, obviously. Like It's a giant blessing uh, to, to Christians when there are leaders that, uh, that know Jesus um conditions for the gospel right for for ev- evangelistic reasons should get better in our society if if some of them come to know jesus um but but it's not just telling us that we're just we're just praying for for those people um part of it is an example that, that we pray for all kinds of people from 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 the least in our nation or community to to the greatest like we need to pray for, for all kinds of people um, with my kids, it seems like I'm constantly trying to help expand what they pray for, right? Um, they, they virtually pray for the same things. We're probably not actually that different. I'm probably not really that different, though, right? My, my prayer, like I'm the epicenter of my prayer life, right? And I pray about me, I pray about people close to me, my family, hopefully my neighbors. Um, the, the circles probably don't go out all that far for for a lot of us and it's just we're, we're just self-centered like that's how we are but we need to Paul's like no you need to pray for all kinds of people pray for pray for the kings right and, and for paul to say pray for, for the kings and the high officials like their government was not friendly towards christians right they, they were not making life easy for christians they were not kind to them nero was making life very hard and this was this is the government that really in in, in a few short years is going to kill paul Okay, so for him to say um, that, that you should pray for them um, is, is a big deal. Uh, and then it says, um, still in verse 2, that, that we may lead a peaceful, quiet life, godly and dignified. Like I said, if we're praying for, for, for people in power and God uses that for really to, to make um, evangelism more effective, right? Not, not just to make our lives easier, but to, to make it possible. For the gospel to to be further spread within our society, um, but there's also a reality that that Christians should live lives that are peaceful, right? Like we should we should be quiet. We should be godly. We should be. This is what Scripture says. We should be dignified in in every way in order to point others to Jesus. We should be a beacon of light that is so starkly different than our, than our world than our culture. So First Thessalonians, I think we we have it up there. Um, 4.12, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Another passage here in 2 Timothy uh, says, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently, enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of truth. So the way we live our lives needs to point towards towards Christ, towards unbelievers, knowing so. We should be a people that strive for peace. We should be the best neighbors. We should be the best coworkers. Um, when we're dignified in how we conduct our business, uh, we point to Christ. We, we, we demonstrate that, that this person that we claim has changed our lives actually has. So we shouldn't be the neighborhood or office gossip. Um, we shouldn't be the ones stirring up trouble. If our heart is for people to know Jesus, the actions of our lives should reflect that. Uh, 1 Timothy 2 3. He says, This is good and is pleasing in the sight of our God and Savior. When we pray like this, it literally means that this is acceptable before God. Like these are the things that are on God's hearts. Well, why? Because this is God's heart for all, all people. First Timothy 2 4. It says, Who desires all people to be saved uh, and to come to the knowledge of the truth? So some take this verse and they see universalism. And it's really important that we know that's not what's going on here. So universalism is the belief that eventually everyone will be saved, even if they reject God in this life. Okay, Um, And this has been around for a long time. It's it's nothing new. Uh, There was a pastor in Michigan. Um, a few years ago, it came out with a book that kind of repopularized this. Uh, his name's Rob Bell. The book is Love Wins. And he uses verses like this um, and really removes them from the context of, of not only the, the immediate passage, the whole book, but even, even the whole Bible um, uses these different verses that, yes, God wants all people to be saved. And that is totally true. But it's also very clear that there are going to be people that aren't saved that reject Jesus. Um, Francis Chan wrote a book actually in response to, uh, to Love Wins um, that, that is really, really good. It's called Erasing Hell. And he, verse by verse, takes, takes all the verses that Rob uses and, and refutes them with the Bible. Um, it is a really, really excellent book. So excellent that I lent it out and I have no idea who has it. So, Oh, you do? Are you serious? I didn't even pray about it and God answered that. That's, I hope you liked it. <laughs> That's great. Um, uh, 2 Peter 3 9. That's so funny. 2 Peter 3 9. Uh, the Lord is not slow. I think, oh, maybe we don't have this. Sorry. This, uh, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish. Right, that's his desire. But that all should reach repentance. So God's desire is that all would repent, that all would be saved, just like his desires that None of us would sin, that we would not do that, right? God doesn't, he, His desires for us to not sin, and, and yet He hasn't made us robots, right? Like we have choices. Um, so just because His desires for everyone to be saved doesn't mean that, that He forces that. First Timothy 2 5, He goes on, He says, For there is one God, and I'm just going to stop there. John MacArthur says, that, that, that this is one of the most fundamental teachings of Scripture that there's one God, that there's one true God, and this is so countercultural, right? And not just our culture; like it, it has been countercultural for a long, long time. Uh, generally, Americans do not like the the idea, the teaching of there being one true God. This is this is called exclusive uh, exclusivism. Um, but Paul's reminding Timothy in the church that that there really is only one and one true God. And this should motivate us evangelistically. Um, if every road led to heaven, I would have really not much to worry about, right? I could I could just keep my Christian beliefs to myself. I could just be with the people that think like me, vote like me, like stuff like me, raise kids like me. But that isn't true. And I'm commanded to make disciples um, because there is only one way. Um, Continuing on in, in two five, and there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus, Jesus is the only way to be in a restored relationship with God, to be forgiven of our sins. Verse two six, he said he gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. I love the word ransom here, right? So it's there's another word in Greek. I think it's. Pronounced lutron. I don't know for sure, even though I listened online over and over again to how they say it. Um, and that's, that's, that's a word in Greek for ransom, but this, this word is anti-lutron, right? And so the, the anti, the, the, the preposition that they put in front of it, like soups up this word, right? It's like, it's ransom on steroids and it's awesome. So adding that, um, it, it, it means that, that Christ didn't just pay the ransom for us, it means that it, he became the victim in our place, right? That's that's what it means that Christ was the ransom for us. He he died the death that, that we deserve to die. He took our sins, he bore them, um, so that we could receive him as Lord. So that so that as many uh, that would receive him could receive him as Lord. First Timothy two seven says, "For this reason, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle." He says, "I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying." I'm a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. This is, this is why Paul has been appointed to, to proclaim the gospel. He's a sent one for the gospel. And in just in case they're confused, because there were some still that thought, like, no, this is just for Jews. Paul says, no, I, I've, been, I've been sent. I'm targeting the Gentiles because the gospel is for everyone. Um, Pastor Gary, a couple weeks ago, mentioned, or I don't remember what it was. It was recently, mentioned uh, a website that I'm going to have Sarah pull up. Uh, it's called joshuaproject.net, and it's it's really, really cool. Um, so from time to time here at Harvest, we talk about there being unreached people groups, right? Like people that do not have access to the gospel. Like there's not enough of a Christian representative where they are in their, in, in their culture with people like them um, to, to, uh, uh, for them to come to know about Jesus, right? So um, you, you can go to joshuaproject.net, and uh, could you click on people groups? just start there so yep click on that Um, so you can go ahead click on any one of those Um, you can search like if you want to search by country if you want to search by language uh, you can find out what what these different people groups are Dan Britt I was talking to him just before the service so he he went and actually looked this up um, and there's a there's an app even that you can put on your phone and each day it gives you a new people group to pray for so it's really like what we have at our fingertips is absolutely incredible, right? Because it's it is hard. Like it's hard to pray, you know, for someone around the world that you don't know at all. But some, a bunch of people have done a ton of research so that we could actually do that, so that we could intercede on their behalf for for them to come to know Jesus. Um, it is absolutely awesome. I'm gonna have the band come up. That um, we're uh, we're gonna sing a couple songs, and then and then we're gonna just do some praying together like whatever's on your heart uh, for for whoever for salvation we're just we're going to end our service praying that way um so i'm gonna i'm gonna pray right now um and and then we'll let let the band lead us. god you're so good lord and my lord my words fall so so short um and in some ways maybe that matters but in most ways it doesn't god is you are you're so so good lord you've given us your word and, and you've given us your spirit to teach us your word. God, would you stir our hearts to be about people coming to know you, and not just the people we know, not just the people we're next to, but people all over this world, Lord. We pray this, we humbly ask this, in the name of Jesus, amen.